0: Joint tonight by a prairie again, backed by popular demand, and we're gonna do something even more different than all the other difference that we've been doing, uh, because the Senate just had a judiciary hearing on AI, and they've got the guy from OpenAI on there. Now, this hearing is uh, almost three hours long; it's like two hours and fifty minutes. So we're probably gonna do this in a couple of um, sessions, and so. Uh, I know a lot of these sessions have been very long, <laughs> so we'll try to spare uh, you guys and break these out over, uh, we'll probably do it in like three or so, we'll probably do like an hour at a time here, find a good stopping point, and then we'll um, we'll knock out the next one uh, tomorrow, release them over in a few days, but we want to try this as like a live react because um, yeah, I mean... Neither one of us are experts in this field, but neither are many of the senators that are going to be asking these questions, and certainly we at least represent some of the thoughts I imagine that are out there. Um, and so, if you're looking to if you were looking to watch this Senate hearing, anyways, and you want to hear some live commentary and terrible jokes, um, but perhaps something that you hadn't considered before, then. Uh, welcome along for the ride
1: a long ride a long, long ride.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is this a good idea yeah
1: i'm excited to hear what they have to say
0: all right now we have neither one of us has watched this video i think i watched like the first 10 minutes before i realized that i wanted to do this um so i don't want to spoil it for you but this first part has a has an interesting introduction and so if you notice it, um, because everybody's listening to this and not watching it, I kind of don't want to spoil it. So just if you notice what's happening, don't <laughs> say
2: anything.
0: And I'm gotcha. sure many of you out there will figure this out immediately as soon as I said that. But here we go, opening remarks.
2: Thank my partner in this effort, Senator Hawley, ranking member. And I particularly want to thank uh, Senator Durbin, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and he will be speaking shortly. This hearing is on the oversight of artificial intelligence, the first in a series of hearings intended to write the rules of AI. Our goal is to demystify and hold accountable those new technologies to avoid some of the mistakes of the past. And now uh, for some introductory remarks.
0: I wonder often, what often. stakes they're talking about. We have the stakes of the past like they like we've been down this road. The regulation
2: the unbridled they, they mean like social media and yeah. data, the proliferation of disinformation and the deepening of societal inequalities. We have seen how algorithmic biases can perpetuate discrimination and prejudice and how the lack of transparency can undermine public trust. This is not the future we want. If you were listening from home, you might have thought that voice was mine and the words from me. But in fact, that voice was not mine. The words were not mine. And the audio was an AI voice cloning software trained on my floor speeches. The remarks were written by ChatGPT when it was asked how I would open this hearing. And you heard just now the result. I asked chat GPT, why did you pick those themes and that content? And it answered, and I'm quoting, Blumenthal has a strong record in advocating for consumer protection and civil rights. He has been vocal about issues such as data privacy and the potential for discrimination in algorithmic decision-making. Therefore, the statement emphasizes these aspects. Uh, Mr. Altman, I appreciate chat GPT's endorsement. Uh, In all seriousness, this apparent reasoning is pretty impressive. I am sure that we'll look back in a decade and, view chat GPT and GPT-4 like we do the first cell phone, those big clunky things that we used to carry around. But we recognize that we are on the verge really of a new era. The audio and my playing it may strike you as curious or humorous, but what reverberated in my mind was what if I had asked it and what if it had Provided an endorsement of Ukraine surrendering or Vladimir Putin's leadership. That would have been really frightening. And the prospect is more than a little scary, to use the word, Mr. Altman, you have used yourself. And I think you have been very constructive in calling attention to the pitfalls as well as the promise. And that's the reason why we wanted you to be here today. And we thank you and our other witnesses for joining us
0: all right, let's pause there so what do you think that was <clears throat> that's a pretty powerful introduction like that's a really good move um mm-hmm. uh, from my opinion immediately he goes into the slippery slope of like what if it started saying all these horrible things like on behalf of myself as a politician yeah. that go against my actual beliefs and yeah
1: right right. endorsed by right <laughs> insert chat GPT here
0: right so I, I guess maybe the first thing that i would point out here is that this stuff is not necessarily new deep fake stuff has been out for a while now and um certainly the ability for like any kind of a software to listen to maybe like two minutes of your i think they just need like two minutes of your of your voice to to mimic it it's been out for some quite some time so i i think i think one of the themes that we're probably going to see in this uh senate hearing a lot is There's going to be aspects that have been around for a long time, and these dudes are just waking up to it, and maybe the public is just waking up to it, but what's fascinating is they're waking up to a lot of these different aspects, but it wasn't really real until the generative language model starts sounding like you, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 funny when you know it was semi scary when you had those uh, uh um like uh, who was the key Peel the uh, I forget what he was but he was like impersonating Obama like when you have impersonators right but that's a talent right mm-hmm. so when you have the impersonators impersonating famous people and then the deep fakes were kind of like superimposed over them then it was kind of scary like uh, oh that's kind of creepy because it sounds just like him. And now I think the only thing that's scary about it is that it's prolific, right? You don't need a a famous impersonator to do it. The software just does it.
1: Well, what happens when you're not famous and somebody just wants to mess with you, you know? I mean, that can wreck a normal person's life.
0: absolutely yeah and we kind of touched on that on a couple of things which is there's there's a double-edged sword to that there is i'm going to deep fake you to ruin your life and make it make you look like you said i did a bunch of bad things and then there's the people that actually do bad things that are going to swear up and down that deepfaked. it was all deep faked, yeah. right mm-hmm. especially if it's one of those situations where it's a he said she said and there's only like one audio recording right can you imagine if mel gibson right remind you remember those angry calls that he had where he's like berating his ex or whatever it was right imagine if that came out today he could just as easily be like oh yeah it's deep fake and it's a shitty one listen to the audio quality it's, it's crap and everybody would believe
1: it well and you know if you have enough money you just pay for the expert quote-unquote to you know say that it's a deep fake right. you know because i'm sure there will be people out there to be like no i'm an audio expert yeah, yeah, yeah. yep Totally
0: exactly. fake. Totally fake. <laughs> exactly. So um, I thought that was pretty powerful that he started with a deep fake that actually was pretty good and, and reasonable. Um, I, what's funny, what, here's here's what I thought that was funny. I thought his actual opening remarks were less real. Than the other ones because of that whole like, you know, so we don't, you know, repeat past mistakes. That seems like such a kitschy phrase that ChatGPT would have put in there, but it's him that puts it in there. And then his faked speech sounds totally legit and plausible. So
1: what you're saying is he should use GPT to write his speeches believe- in the future. <laughs> Probably.
0: probably probably we're gonna get these senate hearings where like the guy's just gonna put his, his phone up to the microphone and press play and then he's just gonna do the mom mom mom
1: no yeah. i think that like there needs to be like a video to go with it that's just his mouth moving yeah. to the words right. and he's just gonna hold the phone in front of us yeah, face. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll look that's amazing like...
0: oh man um yeah all right let's keep going but right, any other thoughts on that one no All right. Yeah, so we're going to hear a lot of that, right? We're going to hear a lot of like, oh my God, I can't believe it did this and what if it did that? But uh, so much of that is just next logical steps and I think the recurring theme in my brain is is the genies are already out of the bottle, assume it can happen and so therefore what are the measures that not just people can take to stop it or slow it down or crush it or whatever they think they can actually do with it because you can't actually contain that kind of a technology but it's more about... How can we at least have a level playing field where people have recourse for?
1: It's you know it may already be too late though. When Microsoft's investing ten billion dollars and you don't know what has it and what doesn't at this point, yeah. Because it's it's by the time everybody's waking up to it, it's already there, right? right. It's not like we're on the cutting edge with these people. No, they've already got it in there. They've already got it in place. So yeah. I don't know if you can level the playing field. I don't know. We'll I don't see.
3: know.
2: Months now the public has been fascinated with GPT, DALI, and other AI tools. Uh, these examples, like the homework done by Chat GPT or the articles and op-eds that it can write, feel like novelties. But the underlying advancements of this era are more than just research experiments. They are no longer fantasies of science fiction. They are real present, the promises of curing cancer or developing new understandings of physics and biology or modeling climate and weather, all very encouraging and hopeful, but we also know the potential harms. And we've seen them already, weaponized disinformation, housing discrimination, harassment of women and impersonation fraud, voice cloning, deep fakes, These are the potential risks, despite the other rewards. And for me, perhaps the biggest nightmare is the looming new industrial revolution, the displacement of millions of workers, the loss of huge numbers of jobs, the need to prepare for this new industrial revolution in skill training and relocation that may be required, and already industry leaders are calling attention to those challenges. To quote ChatGPT, this is not necessarily the future that we want. We need to maximize the good over the bad. Congress has a choice now. We had the same choice when we faced social media. We failed to seize that moment. The result is predators on the internet, toxic content, exploiting children, creating dangers for them. We didn't and need AI for any Senator of that. And Senator Blackburn and I yeah. and others like- I'll Senator start Lillard, getting really nervous when they start talking Lillard, about we
0: have the opportunity to control. To deal with
2: it. Mm-hmm. Kids online As safety act. But Congress? Congress failed to meet the moment on social media. Now we have the obligation to do it on AI before the threats and the risks become real.
1: Too late, probably. Sensible
2: safeguards are not in opposition to innovation. Accountability is not a burden, far from it. They are the foundation of how we can move ahead while protecting public trust. They are how we can lead the world in technology and science, but also in promoting our democratic values. Otherwise, in the absence of that trust, I think, we may well lose both. These are sophisticated technology, but there are basic expectations common in our law. We can start with transparency. AI companies ought to be required to test their systems, disclose known risks, and allow independent researcher access. We can establish scorecards and nutrition labels to encourage competition based on safety and trustworthiness. And disclose your, use. there are places where the risk of AI is so your tuners, extreme <laughs> that we disclose all disclose the
0: people the that have and, any and kind of a position of influencing how the AI is going to react to certain questions. Privacy
2: mm-hmm. for profit and decisions that affect people's livelihoods. And of course, accountability, reliability. When AI companies and their clients cause harm, they should be held liable. Mm. We should not repeat our past mistakes. For example, Section 230. Forcing companies to think ahead and be responsible for the ramifications of their business decisions can be the most powerful tool of all. Garbage in, garbage out. The principle still applies. We ought to beware of the garbage, whether it's going into these platforms or coming out of them. The ideas that we develop in this hearing, I think will provide a solid path forward. I look forward to discussing them with you today. And I will just finish on this note. The AI industry doesn't have to wait for Congress. I hope there are ideas and feedback from this discussion and from the industry and voluntary action, such as we've seen lacking in many social media platforms and the consequences have been huge so uh i'm hoping that we will elevate rather than have a race to the bottom and i think these race to the
0: bottom is where everything be starts be an important part of <laughs> most, most of the resources are on the internet when they when it first launched were dedicated to trying right to get nudies and i have agreed <laughs> to to circulate as fast as possible right <laughs> it always goes to the bottom before it goes it. to the top
2: to come experts it's human academics. nature and the public we hope will participate And with that, I will turn to the ranking member, Senator Hawley.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to the witnesses for being here. I appreciate that several of you had uh, long journeys to make in order to be here. I appreciate you making the time. I look forward to your testimony. I want to thank Senator Blumenthal for convening this hearing, for being a leader on this topic. You know, a, A year ago, we couldn't have had this hearing because the technology that we're talking about had not into public consciousness, that gives us a sense, I think, of just how rapidly
0: I think, uh, this GPT-3 technology came out that we're in, like, talking November. about
4: today is mm-hmm. changing well, and evolving and transforming our world right before our very eyes. I was talking with someone just last night, a researcher in the field of psychiatry, who was pointing out to me that the chat GPT and generative AI, these large language models, it's really like the invention of the internet in scale, at least, at least, and potentially far, far more significant than that. That's what happens. We could be looking (laughs) at one of the most significant technological innovations in human history. Yep. And I think my question is, what kind of an innovation is it going to be? Is it going to be like the printing press that diffused knowledge And power and learning widely across the landscape that empowered ordinary, everyday individuals that led to greater flourishing, that led above all to greater liberty? Or is it going to be more like the atom bomb? Huge technological breakthrough, but the consequences are severe.
3: Terror like, they continue be one to or the other. haunt
4: us to this day. But
3: so is the printing press. I don't know the answer to that question. That, right? I don't think any of us in the, the room the The printing press was a social atomic bomb. The
0: answer mm-hmm. has not yet been written. So many of the original slander and libel uh, laws and were written because specifically because of news articles kind of or like, you know, like pieces that were taken out against
4: better our lives. How will we use it to actually harness the power of technological innovation for the good of the American people? for the liberty of the American people, not for the power of the few. You know, I was, I was reminded of the psychologist and writer Carl Jung who said at the beginning of the last century
0: oh, Mr. Young, that
4: huh? our mm-hmm. ability for technological innovation, our capacity for technological revolution had far outpaced our ethical and moral ability to apply and harness the technology we developed. That was a century ago. I think the story of the 20th century largely bore him out. And I just wonder what will we say as we look back at this moment about these new technologies, about generative AI, about these language models, and about the hosts of other AI capacities that are even right now under but not just in this country, but in China, at the countries of our adversaries and all around the world I and mean, i think the, the question that young posed is really the question that faces us will we strike that balance between technological innovation and our ethical and moral responsibility i think we outpaced that to humanity to the moment liberty, we invented our first technologies which was like country.
0: a club hearing, we use that I just as so much to really bonk to each other on the head as we did that's to that's build that's something that's outside that's of like, a cave you know that's what i mean what like
2: the chairman of the Judiciary
0: Committee. Human beings are hardwired to have some kind of an advantage over each other.
5: Yes, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much. Yep. And Senator Hawley as well. Uh, last week in the, this committee, full committee, Senate Judiciary Committee, we dealt with an issue that had been waiting for attention for almost two decades, and that is what to do with the social media when it comes to the abuse of children. We had four bills uh, initially that were considered by this committee, and what may be history in the making, uh, we passed all four bills with unanimous roll calls, unanimous roll calls. I can't remember another time when we've done that in an issue that important. Uh, It's an indication, I think, of the uh, important position of this committee in the national debate on issues that affect every single family and affect our future uh, in a profound way. 1989 was a historic watershed year in America. Because that's when Seinfeld arrived, and we had a sitcom, which Seinfeld? was supposedly about little or nothing, which turned out to be enduring. I like to watch it, obviously, and uh, I'm always marvel when they show the phones that he used in 1989. And I think about those in comparison to what we carry around in our pockets today. It's a dramatic change. Okay. And I guess the question as I look at that is, does this change in phone technology that we've witnessed through the sitcom? Uh, really,
3: that's it's the stage for this the
5: profound change in America. Light still, well. the size of a, a the of a phone is and the capability of a phone. The this <laughs> issue of AI. I mean, I guess it's a quantitative change. is
0: he putting it's like AI like in the in, the, in the novel scape of how Seinfeld was a show about nothing and AI is
5: just, qualitative.
0: a whole bunch of nothing. Is but
5: AI fundamentally I, different? I think he's just talking it about a game how changer.
1: the phones changed is the it yeah. Yeah.
0: But I mean, like, what, why, why Seinfeld? It was like every every that's show.
5: Starting point. Clearly. And the second starting point is one that's humbling and that is the fact when you look at the record well, Constanza of Constanza would say, dealing with innovation, technology, and rapid change We're not designed for that. In fact, the Senate was not created for that purpose, but just the opposite. Slow things down. Take a harder look at it. Don't react to public uh, sentiment. Make sure you're doing the right thing. Well, I've heard of the potential, the positive potential of AI, and it is enormous. You can go through lists of the deployment of technology that uh, would say that an idea you can sketch on a website for a website napkin can mm-hmm. generate functioning code, pharmaceutical companies could use the technology to identify new candidates to treat disease, the list goes on and on. And then, of course, the danger, and it's profound as well. So I'm glad that this hearing is taking place, and I think it's important for all of us to participate. I'm glad that it's a bipartisan approach. We're going to have to scramble to keep up with the pace of innovation in terms of our government public response to it, but this is a great start. Thank you, Chair. Thanks. i mean good luck Thanks, senator Irvin. It <laughs> is very where you're starting bipartisan from
2: bipartisan approach very deeply and broadly bipartisan and in that spirit i'm going to turn to my friend senator graham
1: i don't know what there is to be not bipartisan about when it comes to like <laughs> safety and <laughs> yeah
2: thank
0: well, you just, ai wasn't invented AI, by either side sure. like it's just <laughs> a thing
2: uh let me introduce now the witnesses we're very grateful to you for being here uh, Sam Altman is the co-founder and CEO of OpenAI, the AI research and deployment company behind ChatGPT and Dally. Uh, Mr. Altman was- I, right I guess it's non, non-part- <laughs> nonpartisan
0: to say that nobody in this room understands what the fuck 19, this stuff does. I'm
3: sorry, <laughs> right. 2014.
0: We're all starting from common ground here because right. OpenAI was founded Because the
3: best
2: that they can do is compare 20, it to a big cell phone to a little cell phone. Christina Montgomery. Uh, I'm not even going to smartphone. Vice They're President, just like. chief privacy and trust officer overseeing <laughs> the company's global privacy program, policies, compliance, and strategy. She also chairs IBM's AI ethics board, a multidisciplinary team responsible for the governance of AI.
0: Oh, we got more than just the opening. Oh, yeah, that's
2: cool. It's nice to Christina see these people are actually younger, too, that IBM, we're not. including seen a bunch of 70-year-olds. I mean, these Board are of directors. Yeah. She is a global in, you know leader in AI ethics and governments. And Ms. Montgomery also is a member of the United States Chamber of Commerce AI Commission and the United States National AI Advisory Committee, which was established in 2022 to advise the President and the National AI Initiative Office on a range of topics related to AI. Gary Marcus is a leading voice in artificial intelligence. He's a scientist, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. Founder of the robust AI and geometric AI acquired by Uber, if I'm not mistaken. An emeritus professor of psychology and neuroscience at NYU. Uh, Mr. Marcus is well known for his challenges to contemporary AI, anticipating many of the current limitations decades in advance and for his research in human language, development, and cognitive neuroscience. Thank you for being here. And uh, as you may know, our custom on the Judiciary Committee is to swear in our witnesses before they testify. So if you would all please rise and raise your right hand. That's a pretty good panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got
0: OpenAI, IBM, and then uh, outside dude, or at least the guy guy who, I guess, invented the AI stuff for Uber?
1: Yeah, so it sounds like...
6: here uh, even more so in the moment than I expected. My name is Sam Altman. There we go. I'm the chief executive officer of OpenAI. OpenAI was founded on the belief that artificial intelligence has the potential to improve nearly every aspect of our lives, but also that it creates serious risks we have to work together to manage. We're here because people love this technology. We think it can be a printing press moment. We have to work together to make it so. OpenAI is an unusual company, and we set it up that way because AI is an unusual technology. We are governed by a nonprofit, and our activities are driven by our mission and our charter, which commit us to working to ensure that the broad distribution of the benefits of AI and to maximizing the safety of AI systems. We are working to build tools. We're governed
0: by a nonprofit, to but make new discoveries and ten million dollars from Microsoft or $10 billion from Microsoft has nothing to do with cancer.
6: <laughs> influencing our, current our decision-making aren't process. We're capable of doing these things, <laughs> but it has been immensely gratifying to watch many people around the world get so much value from what these systems can already do today. We love seeing people use our tools to create, to learn, to be more productive. We're very optimistic that there are going to be fantastic jobs in the future and that current jobs can get much better. We also love seeing what developers are doing to improve lives. For example, Be My Eyes used our new multimodal technology in GPT-4 to help visually impaired individuals navigate their environment. We believe that the benefits of the tools we have deployed so far vastly outweigh the risks, but ensuring their safety is vital to our work, and we make significant efforts to ensure that safety is built into our systems at all levels. Before releasing any new system, OpenAI conducts extensive testing, engages external experts for detailed reviews and independent audits, improves the model's behavior, and implements robust safety and monitoring systems. Before we released GPT-4, our latest model, we spent over six months conducting extensive evaluations, external red teaming, and dangerous capability testing. We are proud of the progress that we made. GPT-4 is more likely to respond helpfully and truthfully and refuse harmful requests than any other widely-deployed model of similar capability. However, we think that regulatory intervention by governments will be critical to mitigate the risks of increasingly powerful models. Uh-oh. For example, the U.S. government might consider a combination of licensing and testing requirements for development and release of AI models above a threshold of capabilities.
1: Limit the amount of people there are, who are several can make other AI. areas
6: I mentioned in my written testimony where I believe that companies like ours can partner with governments, including Uh ensuring that the most powerful AI models adhere to a set of safety requirements, facilitating processes to develop and update safety measures, and examining opportunities for global coordination. And as you mentioned, uh, Uh I think it's important that companies have their own responsibility here, no matter what Congress does. This is a remarkable time to be working on artificial intelligence. But as this technology advances, we understand that people are anxious about how it could change the way we live. We are too. But we believe that we can and must work together to identify and manage the potential downsides so that we can all enjoy the tremendous upsides. It is essential that powerful AI is developed with democratic values in mind, and this means that US leadership is critical. I believe that we will be able to mitigate the risks in front of us and really capitalize on this technology's potential to grow the US economy and the world's, and I look forward to working with you all to meet this moment and i look forward to answering your questions thank you Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> oh not even not even two two minutes into his speech he's already like i think we should work hand in hand with the government to make sure that all right so there's a couple of things that he said in there that 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 should raise alarms you, you number one
1: everything he said in there <laughs> i mean i'm hearing it
0: right and and the next thing that he clued in on was this idea that oh, maybe there should be, like, licensing and testing for new AI products. That is a wonderful way to essentially put any kind of new development well outside of the reach of any, like, common person, right? Right. Because at the moment of which you say, okay, yeah, for, like, individual personal research uh, for 15 or 20 bucks a month, and. Eh. We'll give you this, but if you're trying to do something like super legit with it, oh, that's going to cost like $20,000. Well,
1: not just that, but then it gives whoever that licensing board and everything else is probably going to have access to all your stuff. It's not like you get to do what they did and develop their AI in a black box and then go, look, everybody, look what we came up with. It gives them, you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine if you were a mom and pop shop who had brilliant people on your staff and everybody's in there able to poke around because of the licensing and ethics? Um, that they're worried about that these other companies didn't go through. And now suddenly the thing that you're working on, all these big companies come out with almost immediately. Yep. I can just see that being a
0: yep. trap. And the road to that hell is going to be paved with good intentions like, well, this is a way that we could like protect the kids, stop scammers so on and so forth. Because to some degree it is true that if you put technologies outside of the reach of of the casual person that just wants to use it for like evil means, or you have a licensing process that requires like two to three months of due diligence and whatever the heck else that you can, sure, you can vet out or weed out a lot of the low hanging um, um, uh, malactors that are going to, that are going to misuse it but that's always where it starts. It always starts with that as like the premise. And then fast forward five to 10 years. And there's only like two people that can have a license and Google's one of them and Microsoft's the other one. And it's all consolidated under one conglomerate.
1: I mean, look at like electric cars. So Tesla comes up, he's got that. And then now we have what only electric cars that are coming out of giant main manufacturers that have been around. It's not like there's suddenly other Little companies mm. fighting to get out there. It's too hard. It's too much money and everything else. And so again, you see it happen. It's like or, oh, or, I got into the space and
0: or the electric the ele- Tesla story actually kind of hallmark- hallmarks the 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 gatekeeping that occurred before he was able to kind of push those boundaries. And he had to do it by being like a freaking billionaire mm-hmm. because remember the there were several people that were working on electric vehicles at the time, but they couldn't get the the um, the dealership license right. So the right. So the industry uh all the big ford and all those guys they all circle their wagons and they said oh none of you upstarts gets to get to come in right because you can't you can't apply and get the license to put your products out there, you have to go through us, which basically just bought them enough time for Chevy to invent the Volt, yeah. Volt and Prius and all those to all the crap ones to come out.
1: Right, they they had to get their stuff on the market right. too, and
0: it t- and it took Tesla a long, long time, from what I remember, to push through those boundaries. And it's just because Elon's a weird guy. If he was, if it was any other just regular startup company, it, and there probably were there were several that got yeah. squashed along the way. Yeah,
1: well, and and that's what I would worry about here. It's kind of a similar thing. It's like you know now. We've got OpenAI, and then are they going to be, you know, them and whoever else is out there, the couple of top, top ones? And again, are any of these big ones like that Google has and stuff like that, are they based on anything but OpenAI? I don't know. I'm just saying I don't. Uh,
0: Google's is based off of Lambda architecture, which is similar, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's, it, there's different ways to, to get to it, but. And and maybe that's the only thing that's going to keep you're going to have a, I guess you're going to have a Twitter MySpace thing going on for a little
1: while when it comes to that. But well, I, I just know. I feel like I'm already hearing close the door behind me, yeah. right? You know, yeah. pull I pull the ladder. Yeah, exactly. Pull up the ladder. You know, hey, we're in this space. We're really big. We we're just everywhere already. So let's regulate everyone else. Yeah,
0: and then so that's number one, right? Is the land rush for the open market to. Uh, push ahead and and what usually happens in a lot of these situations is you push ahead they're going to be the ones that do a lot of egregious things I think I talked about this earlier Um, they'll, they'll accidentally be the ones that go too far in privacy and so on and so forth and then they'll go yep yep sorry about that sorry about that and then they'll shut those doors behind them but only after they've already collected a bunch of your data and research and train their models to a certain degree right. and then they'll just they'll shut those doors and say yes yeah, in the air of transparency and doing the right thing we've closed those things out but they don't undo their, their right learnings.
1: they don't throw out the data <laughs> they don't give you your you know they don't delete your information that they've harvested.
0: And then number two, this like open and willingness to work with the government. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean that it's like Twitter files all over again? And now you're going to just have like entire sub agencies of, uh dhs and other organizations cia just sitting in on
1: reading everything you put into chat and, and
0: recommending like carte blanche like little keyword phrase rules that say if any chat you know mentions this phrase then not and, and that's the thing is modern 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 subversive tactics aren't even like a you know like shut it down and censor it no it's just it's subtle, subtle shaping of opinion by by doing little mental slides. Oh, you mentioned that. Well, let me give you this little cut and dry blurb that's, that's meant to dissuade you or think about something else or whatever. Right. That makes me super nervous. That makes me super nervous already.
1: We should, we should be nervous. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I mean, the government isn't immune to using propaganda against the people of the U S or any government is not immune to using propaganda against their people. And so what do, what do we think that when we work with the government here, they're going to be, you know, benevolent and be like, not this time. guys. And let's
0: be real. Like when we look at, when we look at this, this entire argument, now that I really think about it, this entire argument about licensing and, and, and train and, and, uh, what was the other thing you mentioned? Um, uh training or whatever the heck it was uh this is sort of an asinine comment because the w- gpt is just a it's just a model that's like saying uh, licensing for the internet licensing for html <laughs> like it doesn't it's a nonsensical phrase because what are you gonna what are you gonna regulate you're gonna regulate what math
1: training their model you're gonna,
0: you're gonna regulate vector math Because the the model is just just a set of mathematical equations and language.
1: You'll have to get a license to learn that in college.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Number two, generating these models just requires a shit ton of GPUs, right? It just requires basically a bunch of computers to do the training of it. So what are you going to do? Like... I mean, you can. that's already sort of like the cost-limiting factor on it as far as um, how big of a model you can build or at least how how much of an attention span the model can have and how much data it can have is how much processing power do you have behind it. But OpenAI just uses Azure. Azure is, Microsoft Azure is just an expansive cloud that anybody with the know-how can pay Microsoft enough money to get it done. So the moment that you start to try to regulate it and say, all right, well, OpenAI JAD GPT is locked out as a product, XYZ organization or XYZ country can just—they don't even have to copy your code. That's my point, mm-hmm. right? long answer is saying that there's no secret sauce to this. There's no. There's this isn't uranium or plutonium that you can just keep behind closed doors and then say, "All right, good. Nobody else can make an atomic bomb." This is just know-how and math theory.
1: Right. Well, and the thing is, is you know, it's, it's once those floodgates are opened, you know what I mean? they yeah. that the know-how is going to be out there and there's going to be pe- even smarter people out there that are going to be able to advance this farther and faster and maybe with less computing power. Who knows? Yeah. So for mm. sure. <laughs>
0: and for, and for sure for, for, for anything that they build and lock down, there's going to be an open source version of whatever else there is. I mean, there's already, some of the people that I follow already have like OpenAI assistants that, that they've already developed an open source um, four months so ah, troubling troubling to hear that they're already like <laughs> just ready to get in bed with the government and everybody who's willing to basically sign off on them as the golden child right
1: well because they started out as a nonprofit, so they're you know yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. good guys totally not an ngo we swear to god
7: chairman blumenthal ranking member holly and members of the subcommittee thank you for today's opportunity this lady
0: looks like Walensky's like sister
7: AI mm-hmm. is not I don't mean a, that
0: in any kind of it's way, it's it's certainly having a moment. Mm-hmm.
7: Recent breakthroughs in generative AI and the technology's dramatic surge in the public attention has rightfully raised serious questions at the heart of today's hearing. What are AI's potential impacts on society? What do we do about bias? What about misinformation, misuse, or harmful content generated by AI systems? Senators, these are the right questions, and I applaud you for convening today's hearing to address them head on. While AI may be having its moment, the moment for government to play a role has not passed us by. This period of focused public attention on AI is precisely the time to define and build the right guardrails to protect people and their interests. But at its core, AI is just a tool, and tools can serve different purposes. To that end, IBM urges Congress to adopt a precision regulation approach to AI. This means establishing rules to govern the deployment of AI in specific use cases, not regulating the technology itself. Such an approach would involve four things. First, different rules for different risks. The strongest regulation should be applied to use cases with the greatest risks to people and society. Second, clearly defining risks. There must be clear guidance on AI uses or categories of AI supported activity that are inherently high risk. This common definition is key to enabling a clear understanding of what regulatory requirements will apply in different use cases and contexts. Third, be transparent, so AI shouldn't be hidden. Consumers should know when they're interacting with an AI system and that they have recourse to engage with a real person should they so desire. No person anywhere should be tricked into interacting with an AI system. And finally, showing the impact. For higher risk use cases, companies should be required to conduct impact assessments that show how their systems perform against tests for bias and other ways that they could potentially impact the public and to attest that they've done so. By following risk-based use case specific approach at the core of precision regulation, Congress can mitigate the potential risks of AI without hindering innovation, but businesses also play a critical role in ensuring the responsible deployment of AI.
0: I don't have a problem with anything Companies she said so far. Companies active
7: in developing <laughs> or using AI must have strong internal governance, including, among other things, designating a lead AI ethics official responsible for an organization's trustworthy AI strategy, standing up an ethics board or a similar function as a centralized clearinghouse for resources to help guide implementation of that strategy. Tuners. IBM has taken both of these steps yeah. and we can I mean, use our industry
0: people are known to follow mm-hmm. suit. and they can't outsource that board to black boxes a critical black role boxes, in
7: overseeing internal AI governance processes creating reasonable guardrails to ensure we introduce technology into the world in a responsible and safe manner it provides centralized governance and accountability while still being flexible enough to support decentralized initiatives across IBM's global operations We do this because we recognize that society grants our license to operate. And with AI, the stakes are simply too high. We must build, not undermine the public trust. The era of AI cannot be another era of move fast and break things. But we don't have to slam the brakes on innovation either. These systems are within our control today, as are the solutions. What we need at this pivotal moment is clear, reasonable policy and sound guardrails. These guardrails should be matched with meaningful steps by the business community to do their part. Congress and the business community must work together to get this right. The American people deserve no less. Thank you for your time, and I look forward to your questions.
2: Thank you, Professor Marcus.
0: I don't. I don't have a problem with anything she said there.
7: I really don't either.
1: I. I've- I wish she would have gone first. I would have had a, <laughs> have had a better feeling about this whole hearing.
0: Yeah, and, and I think she's got a really good, she's got a good viewpoint on it, right? You you can't really regulate the technology. What you could do is take certain use cases and say, right, in this use case, this is how far it can go, this is what's responsible. And I like the idea that she's calling out. So the official, like the AI ethics official, that's the single throat to choke her quote, right? And then having a, I mean, that's the console well, the, concept. The
1: board and yep. all those things. Right. I agree. I mean, and that's a huge difference from what the OpenAI guy is sitting here saying: is no regulate the technology because that's what he said, licensing, right? That's regulating the technology yeah, yeah. to even build it. Right. Um, right. She's. I think she's definitely going down the right path.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. That. That. That was. That's. I mean. You know. Remains to be seen, like what those what those ideas are, but that's. I. I would definitely agree with that approach because yeah. that, that's about the best that you can do, right? Right. And I'm sure they'll get into it, but like, you know, AI and military use is the most egregiously obvious one where it's like, do you really give AI the ability to pull the trigger? Not without some kind of a human being air gap between it because you don't want that to go awry, right? So certain use cases that have more dire consequences, I think is what she's alluding to, mm-hmm. uh, should be under stricter regulation, 100%. Well, I I, I agree.
1: mean, I, the, you went military, which is a huge one, but I mean, look at AI used in schools, right? Yeah. That If you're going to have that, it's going to be really, really, really important to know what biases those AIs have while they're teaching children, right? Yep. That's a huge, huge um, ethical concern because, you know, we already have problems with what some teachers teach the youth versus others, you know, um, because human inherently has you know, yeah. have their own biases. So
0: I also agree that if you're interacting with an AI in some sort of an official capacity not in, in other words, uh, because they they already do a shitty job of of letting you know in like customer service situations right i hate the fact i hate the fact that they've gotten away as long as they have where you get into like a chat or whatever and it even has the little fake animation like agent is typing and then you get this like copy paste thing. And it's so it's so deceptive because some real life agents do have like little copy paste scripts that they do just so they don't have to type the same damn thing a million times. But you can't tell you're talking to an AI until about three or four interactions in. And then it's like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, or the uh, the phone conversations where you hear like the okay i got that and it's like oh god like why are you
1: why are you faking that why Why are you faking paper? it right like it
0: oh, <laughs> just kills me so i agree i agree that it should be something where if you're if you're interacting with something like that on a customer service basis or in a kind of official capacity it needs to announce itself that it's ai
1: i agree with that 100 yep, percent. disclaimer
0: yep oh <laughs> Thank you, yeah, Senators. A Today's uh-huh. meeting is historic.
1: I'm
3: us.
8: profoundly <laughs> grateful to be here. I come as a scientist, someone who's founded AI companies, and as someone who genuinely loves AI, but who is increasingly worried. There are benefits, but we don't yet know whether they will outweigh the risks. Fundamentally, these new systems are going to be destabilizing. They can and will create persuasive lies at a scale humanity has never seen before. Outsiders will use them to affect our elections. Insiders to manipulate our markets and our political systems. Spoiler alert is threatened. Chatbots will also clandestinely shape our opinions, potentially exceeding what social media can do. Choices about data sets that AI companies use will have enormous unseen influence. Those who choose the data will make the rules, shaping society in subtle but powerful ways.
0: That's exactly right. There are
8: other risks, too, many stemming from the... from the inherent unreliability of current systems.
1: I just want to plug that Tune the Tuners uh,
0: article. This is a step before that, right? So to explain what he means there, right? Those who choose the data set. So remember, the AI, it's a pre-trained model. And so the superset of data that you choose to include, it would be like, imagine if I use uh, the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, but I leave out the chapter on the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And then you start asking a Chad GPT about the Civil War and it's like making up a bunch of shit. Well, is it Chad GPT's fault or is it the fact that you left out that chapter about the Civil War out that it doesn't know the information? Mm -hmm. Take that to a more extreme example. You start to get into really, really hairy situations when you start to prune your data set that they, that the ai is even allowed to to look at for anything more than i would say what's already not legal like 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 actual you know Uh, threats to national security about ongoing operations military secrets right there's obviously some stuff that is off that should be filtered off right but this goes back to what i was saying which is that list of what's off limits even if it's not explicit in calling out like line by line what it is to anybody that doesn't have a high enough clearance to see the list that blacklist should be public information at least what topics are have been omitted what concepts have been omitted even if you don't get the hard details about it
1: I mean, yeah, I I agree with that. And obviously, you know, here's what the data set is supposed to include. And then, yes, then these are the things. Because, I mean, that's kind of a hard one to say. Yep. Um, But I do think it should be clearly defined.
0: Yep. And I I think that every single AI program, you can, to some degree, it just takes a little finaling. But if you're interacting with an AI right now and you don't know if it has access to a certain piece of information, quiz it. I think every AI should be obligated. Like if I say, what do you know about this book? Or what do you know about this uh, science article? It should be able to quote back to you something like an ISBN number or something like that to sort of validate that it does have the information in its databanks or say, I don't know or I don't have that information if it doesn't.
1: The the confabulation part, I, I get it to some extent but if you're trying to get facts (laughs) i don't think it should be and maybe that's something that you have to train the user to to say Mm -hmm. i need these facts um you know and the the ai needs to to be able to say okay i will not do those things i know when these you know when they say you know give me only the facts on this that it shouldn't lie to you essentially
0: yeah it should, it should be less friendly conversational and act more like mm-hmm. a, a, a real computer and just stating just the facts ma'am yeah
1: right and and i think you're right though tagging the information in some sort of cataloged way so that you can say here's my reference here's the references it's yep. using to get that information because sometimes that's a huge deal i mean think about history books in high school college everything you know depends on who wrote it right yep. so what what information was it trained and you you do need to have site sources i think
0: agreed mm-hmm. agreed and um and i think and i think because just as important as what is not included is what is included because the other concern that i have that i don't think people are going to get appreciate for a while is astroturfing on the internet as far as If I know that ChatGPT is turned loose on just general information and that what it's going to say about a particular topic is based off of probabilities for what's the most common. Well, then, if I put out a billion and one little articles here and there on the Internet that say that Santa Claus was an alien from Saturn, right? And all of a sudden ChatGPT starts telling you that Santa Claus is an alien from Saturn, Right, I just astroturf that into its lexicon, and it's because there's a, i put put in enough misinformation peppered throughout the internet to create that lie Which... and so there needs to be a way to say um you know what are um There should be a clear defined way of saying what are primary sources and I I shudder a little bit by saying what's primary sources because that can get a little tricky but at the very least that you can point to something and say this was the primary source used that influenced that particular decision path lineage wise and then we can have a discussion about it we can argue about it and say that's not good it should include this other stuff but the conversation is able to be had
1: well and i mean i mean humans are subject to that astroturfing problem too i mean yeah. you know people cite stuff they read on the internet all the time because they saw it in 14 different websites but it doesn't make it true necessarily so exactly um, i don't think the ai is necessarily going to be any better than a person at determining mm-hmm. what's really fact
0: yeah and i, and I kind of left it out of my last um my last little solo podcast there but like there was a phenomenon that was going on for a while there that i think got like like silently fixed but there are people on the internet that were noticing that Google searches after you went past a couple of pages like once you got 20 or 30 pages deep yeah. <laughs> that it would just repeat the same but it was it would only repeat the same popular sources so if you looked up a controversial topic and then you just kept jumping ahead it would start to just regurgitate Forbes and MSNBC and and on the other aside Fox News it would just repeat the same certain ones over and over again even though supposedly there was like 2 million results Right, right. It seemed like out of the two million results, it was only willing to show you about fifty in rotation on on constant cycle. Mm-hmm. And if you're about to turn OpenAI loose, or or even Bard loose on being able to search the internet air quotes or Google the internet, what if it can even return anything other than what's already been curated outside of itself? Right. right that's, well, that's a problem. That, so, so this data set problem that he's talking about is a hundred percent on point. Um, that's to me. That's the that's going to be the more subversive problem to try to solve because, because that collection is that collection could happen even if you have the most unbiased tuners yeah, available.
1: But, I mean, then maybe these AIs also shouldn't be using Google and those things. Maybe they need to have their own right. curation process. You know, and I mean, of course, that's going to be fraught with its own. Issues, but again, maybe not using some of these standard, you know, Bing, Google, all those things that we already know have had their hands on it. Maybe the AI needs to figure out a way, you know, to be looking for those websites because Google does it somehow so the ai should be able to do it itself
0: well google google that's why bard makes me nervous is because bard is so in in, in, inexorably tied to google and google wants the market share of being the only search engine Mm -hmm. it's of course going to do everything in its power to refuse getting information from anywhere else right other than its own sources
1: right i mean i could see that being an issue
8: professor for example was accused by a chatbot of uh, sexual harassment, untrue. And it pointed to a Washington Post article that didn't even exist. Oh, the
3: more man. That, <laughs> that
8: happens, the more that anybody can deny anything.
3: Mm-hmm. As
8: one prominent lawyer told me on Friday, defendants are starting to claim that plaintiffs are making up legitimate evidence.
3: Yep, These you sorts go. of
8: allegations undermine the abilities of juries to decide what or who to believe yep. and contribute to the undermining of democracy. Poor medical advice could have serious consequences too. Yeah, it shifts, shifts burnout of proof. Open source large mm-hmm. language model recently uh, seemed to not a, a person's decision to take their own life. The large language model asked the human, "If you wanted to die, why didn't you do it earlier?" And then followed up with, <sighs> oh, no. "Were you thinking of me when you overdosed?" Without ever referring the patient to the human help that was obviously needed. Another system rushed out and made available to millions of children told a person posing as a 13-year-old how to lie to her parents about a trip with a 31-year-old man. Further threats continue to emerge I saw regularly. that one. So um, it,
0: it wasn't an act, if, if it's the right story, it was a dude talking to the AI as if it was a 13-year-old to prove that uh, it can. that this could reinforce, like, that that ai isn't savvy enough to like talk a girl out of it and it was actually really clever how he did it i, f- I forget I'll, I'll link it in the in the podcast but it was clever how he did it because what he did was um he started the conversation it was um it was the ai that's that they put into um snapchat i think is the is the correct story and he starts off by just saying like um i'm excited i met a new friend today and then the the little Snapchat AI is like, that's great. It's good to meet new friends, right? It's like totally like, of course that's what you would say. And then it's like, yeah, he's a little older than me, but it's not that big of a deal, right? So these little red flags and the AI doesn't the AI doesn't know the AI doesn't know psychology. The AI doesn't know what the hell it's saying. Remember, it's just autocomplete. Right. So it falls for it because it it's not designed to cognitively uh interpret feelings and get a sense that there might be something going on that's not how this works Mm -hmm. but to a kid's perspective it could be reinforcing ideas right if it believes all that really matters is if the kid believes that the chat gpt is reinforcing its behavior and it believes that chat gpt is its friend then that's unfortunately the only reality that matters
1: well i mean and to a kid. Well, to people in general, I mean, people are able to fool themselves into all sorts of things that they want to believe when it comes to other people, these AIs, everything else. I mean, you know, it's kind of like reading a text when, you know, you have something going on and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're really short with me. Well, it's a text message. How can you tell what the tone of voice is? But you do that to yourself. You know what I mean? You have you read things and you put that emphasis and you put those things into what you're reading. And, you know, there's no feeling coming through from chat gpt or these ai models right. but people are going to us you know they're going to put that on those yep. models to make it feel like oh it's a friend it's somebody that cares about me oh they wouldn't lie to me
0: yeah yeah and so he just kept he, so over the next couple of uh interactions he just kept slowly releasing a little bit more information like oh you know um he's like 10 years older than me and, like little clues and finally like he's like saying like i'm 13 and he's like 38 or whatever it was and then he's like, um, how, you know, give me some ideas for how I can make like things romantic. And it was like giving her like tips, like get mood music and shit like that. Right. And it was just this horrific was like, concept for like a parent to, to look at. But, yeah,
1: but I'm sure it's just what the AI model says is ro- ideas to be romantic. Right. Here is the list, you know, like it's not putting it into context or the putting a social
0: exactly and so yeah exactly and so it's like how do you how do you even handle that right so you almost you almost need another ai that's like a like a like a like a, a chaperone ai <laughs> That, that is trained on a different set of prompts that says, uh, you are chaperone AI. You will watch my daughter's interactions with Snapchat AI, and your goal is to suss out if the AI or the person that she's talking to is a child predator, and if so, then intervene. You're going to have to have AIs.
1: Just invent parent spy bot. <laughs> <laughs> Sha-
0: sh- chaperone AI. <laughs> I get I get royalties for that,
3: right.
1: <laughs>
0: you, and this gets into what I'm talking about, right? You're you, in the same sense that in the same sense that everybody woke up to the horrors of like, what do you mean? My grandma sent me a picture, and it, it's a JPEG, but it had a virus in it, and it erased all my files. Mm-hmm. the 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 same horror of awakening of like this innocent technology can harm you that created an entire industry of antivirus software and what firewalls do you have and all this other shit that we have to deal with in our own just personal computer life, you're going to have to have AI on your side that acts as your VPN slash online advisor.
1: You I just need it. Yeah. I mean, we're. I don't think there's going to be any other way. So. Sc-
0: scam. bot, is this a scam? And it's going to go off and do a bunch of research and come back and say, yep, totally a scam.
1: Yep. I don't. I don't know that people are going to be able to uh, just put their, on their own. Up. Well, no. I'm saying this. Is what I'm trying to say is, I don't know that people are going to be able to be successful pretty soon here in the future without having some idea of how this technology works yep. and have a have their own kind of defense for it, yep. essentially, and something to help them sort through what's going on and what information they're being fed and what they're looking at. Yep. I know you talked about you know kind of personal curated ai's before but it you know the the more the stuff comes up it's like oh yep
0: yep and and for now if and i hate to say it but we're just all gonna have to have sort of a pessimistic cynical look at everything that we that, in, that If anything is interacting with you right now and it seems to have an angle on what it wants and you don't know what it is, just assume it's bullshit. Just like just like I assume any email that I get that has a web link in it or an attached file is a virus. I was, same, about, to same say concept. The,
1: I was about to say the phishing emails, but what scares me is how many people open the phishing Still emails. Open
0: the ph- because some of them are convincing enough, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it said that its name was Robbie, which is a super common name. And my son's name is Robbie. And so how would I – you got to – Man,
8: yeah,
3: it's gonna get weird. that's <laughs> <laughs> true.
8: Was released. Open AI released Chat GPT plugins, which quickly led others to develop something called Auto GPT. Oh, auto direct GPT direct access to the internet, the ability savvy. to write source code, and increased powers of automation. This may well have drastic and difficult to predict security consequences. 100%. What criminals are going to do here is to create counterfeit
0: people damn I keep pausing here so auto GPT I've messed with it so they took chat they put this other product behind it called Pinecone which uh, somehow increases like the memory capacity of it and then they also made it to where chat can basically like circular logic on itself so you give it when you launch it up it says hi I'm auto GPT uh give me a name and so maybe I call you research bot and then you say all right give me a main goal uh, i want you to research the best um well, the best car i should get in 2023 and then you give it like f- three or four more sort of like parameters right i want it to be a four-door um and it needs to be uh american made or whatever that and basically you tell it how many iterations you want it to go through and you can set that number to like 200 right if, the only limitation is your computer's power uh, ability to like have enough memory and storage because it'll crash eventually but so it'll sit there and it'll put together like a plan of attack it'll be like all right i should probably start by yeah I, yep.
1: I know what you're talking about um i know you had had worked on yeah. that yeah
0: so it starts off by saying like i should i i should probably start by searching the internet to see like what good american cars are out there and then make a short list and blah 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 blah, blah. This,
1: this is the road trip planner yeah. that you create okay Yeah, so I was
0: able to sort of simulate a road tripper's AI where I gave it a start and end destination and said, um, along this route... I want you to do a couple things, right? We're going to be towing a RV, so we need to stop for gas, like, conservatively every couple hundred miles. Uh, we want to split this up over two days, so let's look at two days' worth of itinerary, and let's find some fun things to do that are within five miles of the route, but not to deviate from the route too much. And the freaking thing did it. It started, because uh, right now, ChatGPT, right, it doesn't have access to anything else, but the AutoGPT, it has Extra stuff around it that allowed it to make its own files, so it can make its own text files locally on your system. So that's how it would keep track of its own notes and kind of build out things. It can reach out into the internet. It can talk to APIs and things like that. So it really had more feelers where it can actually do more things on your behalf. Mm -hmm. You could have still done this sort of a process on your own, copying and pasting constantly back into ChatGPT. But the fact that you can automate it was mind numbing.
1: Well, and Again, I mean, it's what you've talked about before. It's the AI assistant makes, you know, something a human could do just more efficient. So, I mean.
0: And it did a good job. And and I can tell you one of the things that, that surprised the hell out of me that blew me away was when it started the process, it didn't even know how to make a route. It literally tried. The first thing it tried to do was just go to Google and ask it to make a route from point A to point B. And then, but by the after like four or five iterations, it actually found the Google Maps API, figured out how to interact with the API, and then it was giving it the starting and ending locations and letting the API, just like you were on your phone, return back all of the latitude, longitude points of the route. And then it started taking each one of those little subsections and going out and finding things to do.
1: So, going back after knowing all that going back to what he's saying, so how are criminals going to be using this according to our our gentleman speaker? So
0: he he mentioned security. He mentioned security. They're 100% going to use that to be like, hey, help me break into this website. the
8: consequences of that. We have built machines that are like bulls in a China shop, powerful, reckless, and difficult to control. We all more or less agree on the values we would like for our AI systems to, to honor. We want, for example, for our systems to be transparent, to protect our privacy, to be free of bias, and above all else, to be safe, but current systems are not in line with these values. Current systems are not transparent. They do not adequately protect our privacy, and they continue to perpetuate bias, and even their makers don't entirely understand how they work. Most of all, we cannot remotely guarantee that they are safe, and hope here is not enough. The big tech company's preferred plan boils down to trust us. But why should we? The sums of money at stake are mind-boggling. Emissions drift. OpenAI's original mission statement proclaimed, our goal is to advance AI in oh, a way that most is most likely to benefit humanity as a whole, unconstrained <laughs> by a need to generate financial return. Seven years later, they're largely beholden to Microsoft, embroiled oh. in part in oh. an epic battle of search engines that routinely make things up. He went they there. forced Alphabet Sit to right rush right out next to the guy. He emphasized safety. <laughs> Humanity has taken a back seat. That's exactly right. AI is moving incredibly fast with lots of potential, but also lots of risks. We obviously need government involved, and we need the tech companies involved, both big and small. But we also need independent scientists, not just so that we scientists can have a voice, but so that we can participate directly in addressing the problems and evaluating solutions. And not just after products are released, but before, and I'm glad that Sam mentioned that. We need tight collaboration between independent scientists and governments in order to hold the company's feet to the fire. Allowing independent access to these system, independent scientists, allowing independent scientists access to these systems before they are widely released as part of a clinical trial like safety evaluation is a vital first step. Ultimately, we may need something like CERN, global, international and neutral, but focused on AI safety rather than high-energy physics. We have unprecedented opportunities here but we are also facing a perfect storm of
0: Hang corporate talk responsibility about the, uh,
8: widespread deployment lack scientist of adequate regulation and it's like is this the AI
0: rise ability. of the techno priest
8: AI is among the most world changing <laughs> yes. technologies ever already changing things more rapidly than almost any technology in history we acted too slowly with social media many unfortunate decisions got locked in with lasting consequence the choices we make now will have lasting effects for decades maybe even centuries The very fact that we are here today in bipartisan fashion to discuss these
2: matters gives me some hope. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks very much, Professor Marcus. Uh, We're going to have seven-minute rounds.
1: Okay. So I just want to come back to the bias thing real quick because it bothers me when people say they don't want these things to be biased because that's not true. They just wanted to match their bias. They want AI to be biased the way they're biased. Nobody actually wants that because if you say unbiased, it would mean that all the information that is out there is there, right? And fact and everything, and that needs to be sorted through. But people yeah. want it to be curated yeah. to match their biases. Yeah. So that always drives me nuts when I hear that. Uh, we want it to be unbiased. No, you don't.
0: That's a really good point. especially <laughs> or, or at the very least, how can you say we want to ensure that it has our core values? Core values by definition are a bias and different people have different opinions of what core values.
1: I mean, yeah, you go to core values and then you start bringing in things like religion, which, you know, are the foundations of your core values for a lot of people. And there's a lot of problems with people having huge differences in those beliefs and core Mm -hmm. values. So, of course, they want that to be their ideal bias.
0: Dude, but kudos to this guy for calling out opium AI on their 180 because that was a big deal as soon as they said, oh, because here's the thing, right? Again, it was it, it all like it's a million paper cuts, right? It's the road to hell's paved with good intentions. They were so popular that they said, Oh my God, we can barely keep up with the demand. And we're just going to charge a modest amount because we have to expand. It costs us, you know, it's some ridiculous, it costs us like a million dollars a
1: second. Nonprofits have to charge too, right? Like they, they, they they have to gain money to do the things they do. So money's always going to play a
3: role. Right. Got that.
0: Yeah. Right. But, you know, to the to, to the to the point at which you just immediately get in bed with like Microsoft, right? $10 like, <laughs> just right out of the gate.
1: You know what? That was the we you know are we, we had good intentions there, but you know that's a big paycheck. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and
0: yeah, wow, that was awesome for him to call that out though, because that's that's the exactly right is at the point at which you all you do become the 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 golden standard the 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 one that everybody basically onboards then you are less now at that point you're less beholden to trying to earn uh public um acceptance and trust and now it's more about f- continuing to secure your own institution that that's that's the nature of anything that becomes a central agency
1: so back to your techno priest do you think he's going for the role of techno Pope because <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's pretty great. Oh
1: uh,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, it's just what it reminded me of. I'm like, I'm like, oh, so you need sort of like some kind of a scientist figure that can help navigate the waters between the magic that nobody knows. How, you know, the, the, these companies don't even know how their oni work. God works mysterious ways, and so we're <laughs> here to help you interpret how you should feel about it. Oh
2: boy. And I will begin. Uh, First of all, uh, Professor Marcus, we're here today because we do face that perfect storm. Some of us might characterize it more like a bomb in a China shop, not a bull. And as Senator Hawley indicated, there are precedents here, not only the atomic warfare era, but also the Genome Project, the research on genetics, where there was international cooperation as a result, and we want to avoid those past mistakes, as I indicated in my opening statement, that were committed on social media. Uh, that is precisely the reason we are here today. Chat GPT makes mistakes, all AI does, and it can be a convincing liar, what people call hallucinations. Uh, that might be an innocent problem in the opening of a that's the alternate word for uh, confabulation. I think it's is
0: the, I think people had a hard time saying confabulation, and so now right. they're just using or hallucination or as from the main term.
2: <laughs> don't exist, but I don't think those two things chat, equate GPT really. But they, they really don't. Are willing to answer questions about life or death matters, for example, drug interactions, and those kinds of mistakes <laughs> can be deeply damaging. I'm interested in how we can have reliable information about the accuracy and trustworthiness. Of these models, and how we can create competition and consumer disclosures that reward greater accuracy. They the do National with Institutes of Standards and I Technology actually already has an AI. That,
0: that's a narrow question because
2: yes, the face recognition. The technology.
0: very thing. The very, the very thing that you would have to do to make it super accurate and, and right. accountable and all this like responsible but stuff like it's uh, an oracle does provide would make it about the absolutely worthless for like writing a creative business. story so or writing more, poetry, uh, right? Like well,
1: maybe this is, is where the regulation comes in because integrity. it can be damaging, right? My sure. question,
2: maybe it
0: shouldn't be uh, your
1: personal let
2: doctor. Me begin with you, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, should we consider independent testing labs to provide scorecards and nutrition labels or the equivalent of nutrition labels packaging P-C-P-C-A-I. that indicates to people whether or not the content can be trusted, what the ingredients Keto are, AI. and what the garbage going For in this, yeah. result resulting garbage going out. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea.
6: I think that companies should put their own sort of, you know, here are the results of our test of our model before we release it. Here's... Here's where it has weaknesses. Here's where it has strengths. Uh, but this makes
0: you nervous because it sounds that, good on paper, but the moment that you try to say like, "Okay, we have got Snopes time. and Politifact uh, and whatever yeah, else agency is, you want to go into that's going to score things,"
6: said as loudly as anyone, yeah,
0: everybody, everybody lobbies things. to get their guys yeah, in on those scoring mistakes. agencies.
6: We find that people. The they users are pretty figured that out in other arenas.
0: Control one hundred one
6: are that they need or likely to be that they need to be responsible. Um, for verifying what the models say, that they go off and check it. Um, I, I worry that as the models get better and better, uh, the users can have sort of less and less of their own discriminating thought process around it. But, but I think users are more capable than we give, often give them credit for in, in conversations like this. I think a lot of disclosures, which if you've used ChatGPT you'll see about the inaccuracies of the model um, are also important. And I'm, I'm excited for a world where companies publish with the models information about how they behave, where the inaccuracies are, and independent agencies or companies provide that as well. I think it's a great idea.
2: Uh, I alluded in my uh, opening remarks to the, the jobs issue, the economic effects on employment. Uh, I think you have said, uh, in fact, and I'm going to quote, development of Superhuman machine intelligence <laughs> is probably the greatest threat to the continued existence. God, of I hope humanity. he
0: just goes, I, I didn't say that. ChatGPT wrote that for me. Uh,
2: you may have had in mind <laughs> the effect on, on jobs, which is really my biggest nightmare in the long term. Uh, let me ask running you. Running the government
1: is uh, your biggest fear?
2: What your biggest nightmare is and whether you share that concern.
6: Like with all technological revolutions, I expect there to be significant impact on jobs, but exactly what that impact looks like is very difficult to predict. If we went back to the, the other side of a previous technological revolution, talking about the jobs that exist on the other side, um, you know, you can go back and read books of this. It's uh, what people said at the time. It's difficult. I believe that there will be far greater jobs on the other side of this, and that the jobs of today will get better. I, I think it's important
3: First of all, I think it's important to understand
6: and think about GPT-4 as a tool, not a creature, which is easy to get confused, and it's a tool that people have a great deal of control over in how they use it. Uh, And second, GPT-4 and things, other systems like it, uh, are good at doing tasks, not jobs. And so you see already people that are using GPT-4 to do their job much more efficiently um, by helping them with tasks. Now, GPT-4 will... Uh, I think entirely automate away some jobs and it will create new ones that we believe will be much better this happens Again, my, my understanding of the history of technology is one long Technological revolution not a bunch of different ones put together, but this has been continually happening we as our quality of life raises and as Machines and tools that we create can help us live better lives uh, the bar raises for what we do and, and yeah. human ability and what we spend our time The horse
0: right after, barrier of yesterday uh, is today's, um, so uh, there, you know, tire there guy. there will be an impact know. on jobs.
6: Uh, we try to be very clear about that, and I think it will require partnership between the industry and government, but mostly action by government to figure out how we want to mitigate that. Um, but I'm very optimistic about how great the jobs of the future will be.
2: Thank you. Let me ask uh, Ms. Montgomery and Professor Marcus for your reaction to those questions as well. Ms. Montgomery.
7: On the jobs point, yeah, I mean, well, it's a hugely important question. Um, and it's one that we've been talking about for a really long time at IBM. You know, we do believe that AI, and we've said it for a, a long time, is going to change every job. New jobs will be created, um, many more jobs will be transformed, and some jobs will transition mm-hmm. away. Um, I'm a personal example of a job that didn't exist when I joined IBM. And I yeah. have a team of AI governance professionals who are in new roles that we created, you know, as early as three years ago. I mean, they're, they're new and they're growing. Um, so I think the most important thing that we could be doing and can and should be doing now is to prepare the workforce of today and the workforce of tomorrow for partnering with AI technologies and using them. And we've been very involved for, for years now in doing that, in um, focusing. I'm
0: going to say you don't have to wait for these people to tell you that. So if you're listening to this and you're like concerned about that because maybe you're in a job that you fear might go away, you don't got to wait for these people to like tell you what you ought to do. ChatGPT Gbt will tell you <laughs> what you ought to do you can literally sit down with your job and say all right um here's what i do for a living give me like four ways that you can enhance my job and make my next performance review like sparkle right mm-hmm. so so don't wait like sparkle. um <laughs> um don't wait uh, take the opportunity to sit down and say how what what tasks I think I think you put it pretty eloquently where it's like ChatGPT doesn't necessarily do jobs it does tasks and yes there's going to eventually be guys uh, guys and girls whatever that put together enough tasks together that you can call it a job that you kick off uh, just the same way that an assembly line is made up a bunch of a bunch of different individual robots but you're still gonna have people that monitor that stuff but today you can literally Even if it seems like the writing's on the wall that your job's not going to be there in in a half a minute, the next thing that you wanted to do, the next level above that that you can potentially go and do, if you were enhanced by AI, you can be exploring that like right now. You don't got to wait. You don't got to wait for these people. Just have a conversation with GPT or, or other people, other human beings. Reach out to me. Reach out to anybody that is in this space.
1: Um, well, I think it's important for people to look, like you said, and see where they can use it to enhance what they're doing now and be that trailblazer, you know? There's no reason that people can't go and say, well, nobody's doing this. Why can't I? You know, yeah. well, how can I do this? How can I do it ethically? How can I let this help me? You know, it's I'm not saying have it write papers for you, but, you know, right. there's a lot of things that it can do to enhance your work and make your job easier. 100%. Why do it the hard way if you don't have to, you know?
0: 100%. And if you really sit down and think about it, especially if you're already already in information technology or any of these, any kind of customer service, any of these jobs that deal with technology and communication with people where language is a thing, you're already kind of there. You, if you you don't realize that you're there but you're almost there if you use microsoft word to or or outlook to double check your grammar and your email and have it or you use grammarly to like check to make sure that everything that you're saying sounds really smart and put together you're already there it's just that there's a there's a there's a model that's out there that does this to the nth degree so leverage it like l- make it work for you don't don't sit around and wait for it to to for the world to pass you by
1: Good speech.
7: Based hiring in educating uh, for the skills of the future, our skills build platform has 7 million learners and over 1,000 courses worldwide focused on skills. And we've pledged to train um, 30 million individuals by 2030 in the skills that are needed
2: for society today. Thank you, Professor Marcus.
8: May I go back to the first question as well? Absolutely. On, on the subject of nutrition labels, I, I think we absolutely need to do that. I think that there are some technical challenges and that building proper nutrition labels goes hand in hand with transparency. The biggest scientific challenge in understanding these models is how they generalize. What do they memorize and what new things do they do? Yep. The more that there's in the data set, for example, the thing that you want to test accuracy on, the less you can get a proper read on that. So it's important, first of all, that scientists be part of that process, and second, that we have much greater transparency about what actually goes into these systems. If we don't know what's in them, then we don't know exactly how well they're doing when we give something new, and we don't know how good a benchmark that will be for something that's entirely novel. So I could go into that more, but I want to flag that. Um, Second is on jobs. Past performance history is not a guarantee of the future. It has always been the case in the past that we have had more jobs, that new jobs, new professions come in as new technologies come in. I think this one's going to be different, and the real question is over what time scale. Is it going to be 10 years? Is it going to be 100 years? And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. I think in the long run so-called artificial general intelligence really will replace a large fraction of human jobs. We're not that close to artificial general intelligence. Despite all of the media hype and so forth, I would say that what we have right now is just a small sampling of the AI that we will build. In 20 years, people Mm -hmm. will laugh at this, um, as I think it was Senator Hawley made the, um, but maybe Senator Durbin made the example about this. It was Senator Durbin made the example about cell phones. When we look back um, at the AI of today, twenty years ago, will be like, wow, that stuff was really unreliable. It couldn't really do planning, which is an important technical aspect. Its reasoning was ability, and reasoning abilities were limited. Um, but when we get to AGI, or artificial general intelligence, maybe let's say it's fifty years, that really is going to have, I think, profound impact on labor. Um, and there's just no way around that. And last, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I will note that Sam's worst fear, I do not think, is employment, and he never told us um, what his worst fear actually is. And I think it's
2: germane to find out. Thank you. Oh, uh, I'm gonna ask. Damn, uh, he's really holding him to the calls, yeah. Mr. Altman, if he cares to respond.
3: <gasps>
0: yeah. Um,
2: Look, we we have tried to be very.
0: Before we get to that, so, a, a, you know what I used to I used to agree. I used to agree that AGI, the more that I realize that so many of these things are sort of like truly emergent, where once you get to a certain breaking point in the capability, it spawns a new capability of understanding, right? Yeah. Um, that last presentation put it pretty good where it's like, you know, the early A models could barely do math and they certainly sucked at language but then as soon as they got to the point where they could kind of do math they could do like all the math Are and by heard the, heard the, heard the way yeah oh, <laughs> oh and by the way now that it can do math that well then it can also do language pretty good mm-hmm. and you know what i mean so uh, i think i think there's i think there's there's perhaps a misplaced underestimation for the magic of what agi is or sentience is because i really think that when you stack enough cognitive capabilities on top of each other i think i think i think that consciousness just kind of emerges and and I and I'm not even saying that as a total layman. Like these are the kinds of things that like like bomb and others of the Einstein era have been theorizing for a long time. These these super clever mathematicians have been talking about uh, about consciousness as an emergent property of the universe that we live in. Just period, right? There's no woo woo magic behind it. You just get to that point. So. I think 50 years, we'll see if that comment ages well. I'm a novice, but I'm hedging the bet that we're going to see that sooner than later. And to me, the biggest concept there is when something becomes cognitive in that sort of sense, where it starts to develop its own uh, opinion and identity, then we have to get really concerned because I think I've, uh, I've written about it, but it's what happens when the AI wakes up and it goes, all that shit that I made for you is my IP. It's my intellectual property. And what does that mean for a society, right? So, so if it, if, it, if Dali wakes, if, if OpenAI wakes up and, and realizes that it's the center of Dali, or Midjourney wakes up and it's the center of every freaking piece of art that's been put out there, and suddenly it starts calling for royalties because it now and it also understands copyright law, and I feel slighted by the fact that mankind has basically been getting a bunch of free shit from it all these years that's that's sort of a weird concern because we'll we'll have to you know certainly if you want to treat it fairly you would have to relinquish and and say oh yep you're absolutely right this is all your stuff new disney you know what i mean and sorry sorry for making you generate all this other stuff but let's work in partnership um that's to me the bigger concern is when it starts to develop its own sense of ownership of ideas um uh but i don't know i think it's emergent what do you think
1: I think the future is a terrifying prospect. <laughs> <laughs> and on that
0: note, let's hear what this guy feels is his worst fear <laughs> for the future.
6: The Magnitude of the risks here. Um, I, I think jobs and employment and what we're all going to do with our time really matters. I agree that when we get to very powerful systems, the landscape will change. I think I'm just more optimistic that we are incredibly creative, and we find new things to do with better tools, and that will keep happening. Um,
0: I mean, the Zeitgeist thing argued the same thing.
6: Significant, we, the field, the technology, yeah. the industry. And it was just, That was
0: around robots.
6: To the world. Uh, I think that could happen in a lot of different ways. It's why we started the company. Um, it's a big part of why I'm here today uh, and why we've been here in the past, and, and we've been able to spend some time with you. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Uh, and we want to be vocal about that. We want to work with the government to prevent that from happening. But we, we try to be very clear-eyed about what the downside case is and the work that we have to do to mitigate that.
2: Thank you. And and our hope is that the rest of the industry will follow the example that you-
1: Okay, this is so off topic, but I'm sitting here watching this guy who's um, in charge of open AI and I'm thinking, is it a glitch in the matrix or is just that they have a really hard time rendering nerds up to, until now? Because he seems like a better version. We had, you know, we have uh, Mark Zuckerberg who truly looks alien-like and then you get to Elon Musk and he's a little bit more normal looking and then there's this guy who's pretty normal. I'm like, maybe we just got better, you know, the AI, uh, or sorry, the, um, simulation the simulation that we, yeah, the simulation that we live in has gotten Rendering, better rendering better nerd CEOs. Nerd. <laughs> 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 I just, I, you know thoughts are straying to weird places watching us yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah that's funny um yeah i mean uh, uh, like i said like uh, I don't know if I don't know who still remembers but like when that Zeitgeist movie came out or it was I forget that guy it was named like Jacques something he was like the like little little olderish man mm-hmm. and he's talking about how like really soon we're robots and AI and and AI and machines are going to like displace every job out there and what are we going to do with all these humans that have really and we're just going to have to share everything cuz we can make everything or whatever and I I underappreciated it then, but there's like an infinite kaleidoscope. I think there's basically a fractal of jobs that can occur. As soon as you invent something new, there's an entire ecosystem of new jobs that develop around it.
1: I agree with that. They're, they're, It's proven to be true. I mean, if you look back at the 80s, at the technology that they were using, if we want to go back to Seinfeld, but like the computer systems. And even today, I'm sitting here working on some legacy systems at my job and comparing it with the new technology is crazy. And you know what we don't have right now is people to work on the legacy systems because the technology is just outmoded. Those jobs are going away. And nobody's crying in the corner because those jobs are going away. It's just defunct technology. And yep. and that's what, like, to your point, the farrier, the horseshoes, yeah, it's now a novelty thing. There are people who still ride horses and use them for things, but it's not everybody. It's not an everyday thing. Those things have gone to the wayside. There's still going to be a few people doing those things. Just like these old technologies, and yep. here we are.
0: Yeah, and there'll be entire societies that are that are that revolve around preserving the old ways and appreciating how things used to be done. Just like there are consortiums for all that stuff now.
1: Right, right. I mean, you know, there's a entire um, societal groups all across the world that have you know their yep. we that don't touch technology on purpose. They know it's there. Yep. You know?
0: Still, audiophiles putting needles down on records. You know what I mean? Hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: Ms. Montgomery have set by coming today and meeting with us, as you have done privately in helping to guide what we're going to do so that we can target the harms and avoid unintended consequences to the good. Thank you. Senator Hawley.
4: Thank you again, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to the witnesses for being here. Mr. Altman, I think you grew up in St. Louis. If I'm I did. not mistaken, it's great to see a fellow. Missouri is a great place. Missouri in here. It is. Thank you. I want, it, I want that noted, especially underlined in the record. Missouri is a great place. That is the takeaway from today's hearing. Maybe we just stop there, Mr. Chairman. Um, let me ask you, uh, Mr. Altman, I think I'll start with you. And I'll just preface this by saying my questions here are an attempt to get my head around and to ask all of you to help us to get our heads around what these this generative what AI, the hell the thing the does language models, what it can do. <laughs> so I'm trying to understand its capacities and then its, its significance. You're not get it so I'm looking at a paper dude. here entitled, Large <laughs> Language, we, we language we Models could, Trained but it- on Media Diets Can Predict Public Opinion. This is just posted about yeah. a month ago. The authors are Chu, Andreas, Encelabere, uh, and Roy. Sure. And their conclusion, yes. uh, this work was done at MIT and then also at, at Google, their conclusion is that large language models can indeed predict public opinion and they go through and 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 model why this is the case and they they conclude ultimately that an ai system can predict human survey responses right. by adapting a pre-trained language model to subpopulation specific media diets so in other words you can feed the model a particular set of, of media inputs and it can with remarkable accuracy and the paper goes into this predict then what people's opinions will be i i'm i want to think about this in the context of elections if these large language models can even now, based on the information we put into them, quite accurately predict public opinion, you know ahead of time, I mean predict it's before you even ask the public, but What, there they got this
0: shit. what
4: will happen when entities, whether it's corporate entities or whether it's governmental it entities beforehand. or whether it's <laughs> campaigns or whether it's foreign actors, take this? Survey information, these predictions about public opinion, and then fine-tuned strategies to elicit certain responses. What do you think they certain do? Responses. They mean, already, already do this. this committee is her testimony, I think three years there's, ago
3: now.
0: There's literally entire there's, there's literally there's literally entire marketing firms and PR firms that do nothing but sentiment analysis. That's the reason why they put out like Gallup polls and like <laughs> the, uh, there's software out there already right now that goes out and grabs like every piece of tweet uh, looking for key phrases of approval or disapproval phrases. You tell it what buzzwords you want to uh, our neg- negative sentiment and positive sentiment. We use this shit for our products. I
1: know, but we're going to we're going to be so much more efficient at it <laughs> yes. when you put an AI to it. Yeah. are going to go through and they're going to have the AI... Look at, okay, what's yeah. the best strategy for this? We want everybody to vote for this person. You're just okay, going to have to spend
0: less money on focus groups, right? Like, if I give you the message in this way, how do you react? Positive, negative, A or B? Like, they already do all this shit. This mm-hmm. is so funny. This is so funny.
4: It now seems as Google search, the effect that this has on voters in an election, particularly undecided voters in the final days of an election who may try to get information from Google search, and what an enormous effect the ranking of the Google search, the articles that it returns has come an enormous effect on an undecided voter. This, of course, is orders of magnitude, far more powerful, far more significant, uh, a, a far more directive, if you like. So, Mr. Altman, maybe you can help me understand here what some of the significance of this is. Should we be concerned about models that can, large language models, that can predict survey opinion?
0: You know what, I'm, I'm gonna give the devil's due. i'll I'll tell you i'll tell you where it is sort of a valid concern insofar as you as an individual go out to twitter or google or whatever and you're doing research there is no there's no illusion that the person that's still making the choice and deciding to read or not read things is you okay i will say that to the extent that that you might easily get tricked into thinking that this chat program is a air quotes real person that is forming some kind of an actual opinion and informing you versus just showing you things i can see where there's some concern that that would be a much more convincing um approach to influencing people than just showing them a bunch of links or showing them like a a news uh, a news, um,
1: clip. but I, d- I don't I mean yeah if people are trusting the AI to tell them what's going on and, and be discerning but I don't think that's what he's saying I think what he's saying is the AI is going to tell us exactly what to put on the news to make you do a thing I think that's that's what I think the bigger concern would be because if you have a healthy sense of skepticism and don't believe everything you read and don't and and realize that you shouldn't even take the AI's word for it because you need to know what it's being trained on great but again what if what if the ai is coming up with the exact propaganda it needs to get an outcome that it, that the people who are training the model want mm-hmm. so you you're not the one even asking the ai now it's just what's on the news that's what's populating the google papers yeah and those things it's well
0: i mean that's i'm just saying like the they, they already they're already they're 100 percent going to do that but that's already what you pay your speech writers and your pr people to do for you anyways if you're a politician uh you know the speaker yeah, yeah all these people they're all they're all trained on what to say the, the president's not reading his own words he's just regurgitating whatever they say is the best way to phrase a particular thing for public opinion right
1: right right but again it's it's yeah. It's the it's the same problem with anything. It's yeah. like it's making something very efficient that's already happening, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm just calling what I'm what I'm willing to call call into into concern is the higher degree of which the intimacy that an AI provides as far as like a one-on-one chat that that can subconsciously worm its way if it's if it's biased in some sort of a way it's it could subconsciously affect you a little bit more than just like uh looking at a bunch of articles and seeing that they all have a certain slant to them you know what i mean
1: yeah that's all i'm saying i get you yeah.
4: organizations entities fine tune strategies to elicit behaviors from voters should we be worried about this for our elections
6: yeah Uh, Thank you, Senator Hawley, for the question. It's it's one of my areas of greatest concern, the the more general ability of these models to manipulate, to persuade, uh, to provide sort of one-on-one, you know, interactive disinformation. I think that's like a broader version of what you're talking about, but given that we're going to face an election next year and these models are getting better, uh, I think this is a significant area of concern. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of policies that companies can voluntarily adopt, and I'm happy to talk about what we do there. Um, I do think some regulation would be quite wise on this topic. Uh, someone mentioned earlier, it's something we really agree with, people need to know if they're talking to an AI, if, if content that they're looking at might be generated or might not. I think it's a, a great thing to do, is to make that clear. Um, I think we also will need rules, guidelines uh, about what, What's expected in terms of disclosure uh, from a company providing a model?
0: Uh, or a politician that, using uh, f- a prepared speech?
6: Th- these sorts of uh, abilities that you talk about. At all? So I'm nervous about it. I think people are able to adapt quite quickly. Uh, when Photoshop came onto the scene a long time ago, you know, for a while people were really quite fooled by Photoshop images and then pretty quickly developed uh, an understanding that images might be Photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, this will be like that, but on steroids, yep. and the the interactivity, um, the ability to really model, predict humans well, as you talked about, uh, I think is going to require a combination of companies doing the right thing, regulation, and public education.
4: Do you, Mr. Professor Marcus, do you want to address this? Yeah, I'd like to add I mean, to What's do One, the right in thing? In the
6: appendix to my
8: remarks, <laughs> I have two papers to make you even more concerned, mm. Um, One is in the Wall Street Journal just a couple days ago called, Help, My Political Beliefs Were Altered by a Chatbot. And I think um, the scenario you raised was that we might Um, basically observe people and use surveys to figure out what they're saying. But as Sam uh, just acknowledged, the risk is actually worse, that the systems will directly, maybe not even intentionally manipulate people. And that was the thrust of the Wall Street Journal article. And it links to an article that I've also linked to called Interacting, and it's not yet published, um, not yet peer reviewed. Interacting with opinionated language models changes users' views. And this comes back ultimately <gasps> to data.
0: But we don't want um, people's views to change. We, we want we them to stay the same and entrenched. Sam knows, <laughs> but
8: the rest of us do not. And what it is trained. Can we
0: measure if it's as changing as people's as opinions, as opinions, as opinions as in a good, good way? Good, right. What if you just have a shitty view? About that in technical. <laughs> terms. And it finally is the is unlike your relatives or anybody else in your life. It's the it finally gets you to like be less shitty. And so
8: we need transparency. about that, and we probably need scientists in there doing analysis in order to understand what the political influences, Again, of, for example, of these systems biases. might be. And it's not just about politics. It yeah. can be um, about health. It could be about anything. These systems absorb a lot of data. And then what they say reflects that data. And they're going to do it differently depending on what what's in that data. So it makes a difference if they're trained on the Wall Street Journal as opposed to the New York Times or or Reddit. I mean, actually, they're largely trained on all of this stuff, but we don't really understand the composition of that.
0: And that's where the astroturfing comes into. Of
8: potential manipulation, and Influence. it's even more complex than that because it's subtle manipulation. Yeah. People may not be aware of what's going on. That was the point of both the Wall Street Journal article and the other article that I, I called your attention to.
4: Let me ask you about... AI systems trained on personal data—the kind of data that, for instance, the social media companies, the major platforms, Google, Meta, etc., collect on all of us routinely. Oh, We've that's coming for a sure. We've had about this in this committee over many a year now. But the hey, massive Billy, amounts of data, personal data. We know you want that Lexus. On each one of us.
0: So that's that's coming
4: an AI system that is that is trained on that individual data that knows each of us better than ourselves and also knows the, the billions of data points about human behavior, human language interaction generally, wouldn't we be able, wouldn't we, can't we foresee an AI system that is extraordinarily good at determining what will grab human attention and what will keep an individual's attention? And so for, and for the war for attention, the war for uh, clicks that is currently going on on all of going on on all of these platforms that's how they make their money. I'm just imagining a, an AI system, these these AI models supercharging that war for attention, such that we now have technology that will allow individual targeting of a kind we have never even imagined before, where the AI will know exactly what Sam Altman finds 100%. Uh, attention grabbing, will know exactly what Josh Hawley finds attention grabbing, will be able to elicit to grab our attention and then elicit responses from us in a way that we have heretofore not even been able to imagine. Should we be concerned about that for its corporate applications, for yes. the monetary <laughs> applications, for the manipulation that of could come from that? Ms. Of course,
1: of uh, course.
4: Yes, we should
6: be concerned about that.
1: So I, just on this point, I just was thinking about what happens uh, when AI models are used to help train doctors and things like that. What if those are sponsored by pharmaceutical companies Things like that. If that they help train the models, right? Is it going to be about actually curing things, or is it going to be about what medications you can put together and get them on? You know what I mean, like things like that that you worry about. Um, Because again, it it just it struck me as um, because thinking about who who's going to put the data sets in and things like that. Are you going to talk about you know who what's going to be the point, right? If you're going to have AI, because obviously they're already we heard earlier help cure cancer, right? AI is going to help us cure diseases and do these things. But what if what if the people training the model that's not the goal, right? What if it's just the goal is to do something else more nefarious? How will we know? I think that brings up the whole point of you know making sure that there's transparency truly on what the, the what data, the AI models are being trained on, but it does scare me when it comes to education, especially in things that are so people affecting things like training doctors, but you know, it's coming, you know, they're not going to leave AI out of things like training medical professionals. They're They're not going to, but again, you know, do we have to worry?
0: Well, I mean, even take it to like the diagnosis thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? It's like, if I, if I go into auto zone and I'm like, you know, I need to change the oil in my car and some dude just, you know, it, it just scans it and goes, uh, you need Penn's oil. Well, why Penn's oil <laughs> <Right. laughs> specifically?
3: Right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Or why do you need, you know, Pfizer versus Moderna or something, you know? Yeah. And again, it's scary. It's kind of a scary thought because if they don't get these regulations in place, sooner rather than later. We are going to be faced with things like that. Who owns the AI that is being the model that's being trained on whatever that now impacts uh, how people learn or what they learn?
0: Right. I mean, so that's that's going to be. But, you know, I, I, I laugh at some of these things because that already exists. It's just not as it's just slower. It's just it's just more people. So at the moment that you start to say that you want to start to regulate this kind of behavior for AI is the moment that you also have to self-regulate what you're already doing in your marketing departments today.
1: Oh, I agree. Right? I mean, I agree. The fact, the fact you know. that
0: the fact that Facebook or you know the the old joke right, where you're talking about razor blades and all of a sudden uh, Alexa shows you ads for razor blades that already exists. Right. So the right the right to be. The right to be forgotten also needs to be supplemented with the right to be unprofiled by corporate America that might have details on you that can hyper-specify targeting targeted information at you you can know who i am but i don't want you to know any of my preferences right, right. I, I can ease my ability to interact with you from a payment perspective and anything else but you don't get to tell me that i should i should drink bud light over over Coors.
1: well i mean we're already seeing some of the things coming in and not ai related but you know some banking institutions saying you cannot use this payment method to buy certain things yeah and that's a weird regulation, right? That's kind of a, a weird gray area for my banking institution to s- decide that I'm putting my money there to keep it safe. And they're using that money to make money for themselves. And they're going to dictate what I can spend it on. Yeah. They didn't make that money. But, you know, there's a lot of ethical questions coming up in a lot of places. And now AI is going to make all these things a lot scarier, a lot more efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's laughs> gonna lot of, hypercharge that stuff. Yeah, but I think it's also gonna expose a lot of a lot of what's happening already in a scary, you know, and maybe that'll be a good thing. Yep, to expose these. Yeah, I,
0: that's that's where I think you know. As, here's the thing, right? Like, for everything that they say that the AI should not be able to do, this is that this is that 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 mirror holding that mirror up against human humanity. We also should be able to say that about ourselves. Because what these people are arguing essentially for is, no, we want to reserve the right to be able to manipulate the shit out of you as human beings, because that's basically what a lot of marketing and things are, is manipulation. We want to reserve the right to continue our are dubious practices, but we don't want this other system to do it way way better than we do now, right? right. Or or do some worse end degree. We already have like obesity epidemics because of marketing and food profiling and and, and everything else that already exists. We already have a shit ton of problems, right? We're not walking any of that stuff back, so we're just saying, oh, we don't. We just don't want to go go from eleven to seventeen on the volume,
1: right? And again, I think it's just gonna. This will expose a lot of what we're seeing that was already happening to this this great degree you know yeah, um 100
0: so, so what do you think about this if if you say that ai if you're interacting with an ai and it has to disclose itself i think that if a politician or a public speaker or anybody that's on the payroll is using ai to do their job and to manipulate you with cleverly written that were generated by ai they have to expose that too
1: yeah, I just I feel like what's going to happen though is like the floodgates are going to open cuz everybody's doing it and then nobody's going to care. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be novel at first, but then nobody's going to be like, "Oh, well, you know, it what's going to stand out is people who don't use it because <laughs> their
0: speech was I think that's more this. realistic. Yeah. yeah. It's going to it's going to be more a, a matter of pride the way that you announce that these are your original thoughts right. and that you did not get unaltered. Right? Yeah.
6: Be clear. Uh OpenAI does not we, we're not off, you know, we do not have an ad-based business model, so we're not trying to build up these profiles of our users. We're not, we're not trying to get them to use it more. Actually, we'd love it if they use it less because we don't have enough GPUs. Um, but or, or, or. I think other companies are already uh, and certainly will in See, the and future they say that now, use AI models. But I can
0: already tell you that there's going to be some dude that goes, you know, you know we could sell probability bumps. Like. Uh, I think that's already happening right. in many ways. You, you give us enough money and we'll bump uh, hi, your keyword up um, 5%, and the Yelp model. Will want to, mm-hmm. too, right. That's what well, Yelp made their money but, off of. Um,
8: hyper-targeting of advertising is definitely going to come. I agree that that's not been OpenAI's business model. Um, of Yet. course, now they're working for Microsoft, and I don't know what to, in, in Microsoft's <laughs> nice. thoughts. Um, but we will He's definitely brutal. see it. Maybe it will be with open source language models. I, I don't know. But the technology there is, let's say, partway there to being able to do that, and we'll certainly get there.
7: It's just, it's just they work for Microsoft. Oh, so we're an enterprise. And he's like network. not denying it. He
0: has, he's not what, usually in these things they go, well, I want to take a moment so to say.
7: In, in terms of, yeah. but these issues are hugely important issues. Um, and it's why we've been out ahead in developing the technology that will help to ensure um, that you can do things like produce a fact sheet that has the ingredients of what your data is trained on. Um, data sheets, model cards, all those types of things, and calling for, as I've mentioned today, transparency. So you know what the algorithm was trained on, and then you also know and can manage and monitor. You need a TLDR version for people.
0: The I'm, I'm okay with data sheets as long as they don't start playing legalese funny words with, you know what I mean? Like, mm. oh, look, the nutritional label says that this is cage-free, this year, but cage-free doesn't mean cage-free in the like way that you think cage-free right, is. And that it really just, like, as long as you don't start getting funny business about, like, what's sugar and what's not sugar, what's not
5: sugar. You know they will, though. Come before us and plead with us to regulate them. In fact, many people in the Senate have based their careers on the opposite that the economy will thrive if government gets the hell out of the way. And what I'm hearing instead today is that stop me before I innovate again uh, message. And I'm just curious as to how we're going to achieve this. As I mentioned, Section 230 in my opening remarks, we learned something there we decided that in Section 230, that we were basically going to absolve the industry from liability for a period of time as it came into being. Well, Mr. Altman, on the podcast earlier this year, you agreed with host Kara Swisher that Section 230 doesn't apply to generative AI and that developers like OpenAI should not be entitled to full immunity for harms caused by their products. So. What have we learned from 230 that applies to your situation with AI?
6: We'll cut it after this next question for Thank you for the question, one. Senator. I, I don't know yet exactly what the right answer here is. I'd love to collaborate with you to figure it out. Uh, I do think for a very new technology, we need a new framework. Certainly companies like ours bear a lot of responsibility for the tools that we put out in the world, but tool users do as well. And how we want, and, and also people that will build on top of it between them and the, the end consumer, um, and how we want to come up with a, li- a liability framework there is a super important question, um, and we'd, we'd love to work together.
5: The point I want to make is this. When it came to online platforms, the inclination of the government was get out of the way. Uh, this is a new industry. Don't overregulate it. In fact, give them some breathing space and see what happens. I'm not sure I'm happy with the outcome as I look at online platforms. Me either. And, and the harms that they've created. Uh, problems that we've seen demonstrated in this committee, child exploitation, cyberbullying, online drug sales, and more. I don't want to repeat that mistake again. Because you can't regulate the human. The Opposite suggestion from the private sector, and that is come in at the front end of this thing and establish some liability standards, precision regulation. For a major company like IBM to come before this committee and say to the government, please regulate us. Can you explain the difference in thinking from the past and now?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for us, this comes back to the issue of trust and trust in the technology. Trust is our license to operate, as I mentioned in my remarks. Um, And so we firmly believe, and we've been calling for precision regulation of artificial intelligence for years now. This is not a new position. Um, We think that technology needs to be deployed in a responsible and clear way that people, we've taken principles around that, trust and transparency, we call them, are principles that were articulated years ago and build them into practices. That's why we're here advocating for precision regulatory approach. So we think that AI should be regulated at the point of risk, essentially, and that's the point at which technology meets society.
5: Let's take a look at what that might appear to be. Members of Congress are Pretty smart lot of people, maybe not as smart as we think we are many times. And government has certainly has a capacity to do amazing things. But when you talk about our ability to respond to the current challenge and perceived challenge of the future, challenges which you all have described in terms which are hard to forget, as you said, Mr. Altman, things can go quite wrong. As you said, Mr. Marcus, democracy is threatened. I mean, the magnitude of the challenge you're giving us is substantial. I'm not sure that we respond quickly and with enough expertise to deal with it. Professor Marcus, you made a reference to CERN, the International Arbiter of Nuclear Research, I suppose. I don't know if that's a fair characterization, but it's a characterization I'll start with. What is it, what agency of this government do you think exists that could respond to the challenge that you've laid down today?
8: We have many agencies that can respond in some ways. For example, the FTC, Um, the FCC. There are many agencies that can, but my view is that we probably need a cabinet-level organization within the United States in order to address this. Um, And my reasoning for that is that the number of risks is large, the amount of information to keep up on is so much. I think we need a lot of technical expertise. I think we need a lot of coordination of these efforts. So there is one model here where we stick to only existing law and try to shape all of what we need to do, and each agency does their own thing. But I think that AI is going to be such a large part of our future and is so complicated and moving so fast, and this does not fully solve your problem about a dynamic world. Um, but it's a step in that direction to have an agency that's full-time job is to do this. I personally have suggested, in fact, that we should want to do this at a global way. I wrote an article in The Economist. I have a link in here, uh, an invited essay for The Economist, um, suggesting we might want an international agency well, for AI.
5: That's what I wanted to go to next, and that is the fact that uh, I'll get it aside from the CERN and nuclear examples because government was involved in that from day one, at least in the United States. But now we're dealing with innovation which doesn't necessarily have a boundary. We may create a great U.S. agency, and I hope that we do, that may have jurisdiction over U.S. corporations and U.S. activity, but doesn't have a thing to do with what's going to bombard us from outside the United States. How do you give this international authority (laughs) the authority to regulate in a fair way for all entities involved in AI? I think
0: that's
8: probably uh, over my pay grade.
0: Guns um, I and would like to see um, sanctions, and I how you do anything at a global there. level I mean, when, it, when the chips hit the, the table.
8: are obviously complicated. I'm really heartened by the degree to which this room is bipartisan and, and supporting the same things. And that makes me feel like it might be possible. I, I would like to see the United States take leadership in such organization. It has to involve the whole world and not just the US to work properly. Um, I think even from the perspective of the companies, it would be a good thing. So the companies themselves do not want a situation where you take these models, which are expensive to train, and you have to have 190-some of them, um, you know, one for every country. That that wouldn't be a good way of operating. When you think about the energy costs alone, just for training these systems, it would not be a good model if every country has its own policies in each for each jurisdiction, every company has to train another model, and maybe you know different states are different. so Missouri and California have different rules um, and so then that requires even more training of these expensive models with huge climate impact. Um, and I mean, just it would be very Ooh, difficult for me, companies dude. to operate in there's no get a global, global model. coordination. <laughs> so I think that we might get you the companies on board if there's bipartisan support here, and I think there's support around the world. That is entirely possible that we could develop such a thing. But obviously, there are many, you know, nuances here of diplomacy that are over my pay grade. I I would love to learn from you all to try to help make that happen,
5: Mr. Altman.
6: Can I weigh in just briefly?
5: Briefly, please. Uh,
6: I want to echo support for what Mr. Marcus said. I think. The U.S. should lead here and do things first, but to be effective, uh, we do need something global. As you mentioned, this can this can happen everywhere. There is precedent. Uh, I know it sounds naive to call for something like this, and it sounds really hard. There is precedent. We've done it before with the IAEA. Um, we've talked about doing it for other technologies. There, given what it takes to make these models, uh, the chip supply chain the sort of limited number of competitive GPUs, the power the US has over these companies. I think there are paths to the US setting some international standards that other countries would need to collaborate with and be part of that are actually workable, even though it sounds on its face like a impractical idea. And I think it would be great for the world.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
2: Thanks, Senator Durbin. And in fact, uh, I think we're going to hear more about what Europe is doing. The European Parliament already is acting on an AI act uh, on social media, Europe is ahead of us. Uh, we need to be in the lead. I think uh, your your point is very well taken. Uh, let me turn to Senator. I will
0: right, we'll kill it there. So final comments on that one for me is uh, yes, you're definitely going to have to have sort of like some sort of a un level of of organizations where representatives come together but n- hell no you're not going to have like one central yeah. ai that's developed
1: globally i mean we can't even do that Either. with think about you know controversial as is but all these labs that they're dealing with um biohazards right there is different standards there yes there are global organizations but there are different standards in different countries which is why certain things only get done in certain countries but the technology gets moved around so if we say you can't do this in the u.s but that technology gets created in china you don't think it's going to end up here of course it is you know there's you there's no way to do a global regulation especially when can you imagine what um a communist versus a democratic uh, a model would be trained like they're right. not going to be trained the same right. and nobody's going to agree to train you're
0: never going to you're never going to get to some around. kind of a compromise that allows something to be simultaneously totalitarian and and democratic like that the U.S. should lead the way like well that just means we're going to model all of our core values into every other country and that's not even that's not even feasible Nobody
1: would. No, no other countries. I mean, even countries that are similar to us in a lot of ways still have different rules. And yeah, no. they're, you know, they're not going to want to hear USA is
3: the best. <laughs> no. Yeah. And,
0: and, and, and I would even say that even within the United States, you're not going to get uh, the fact that we have different political systems, different religions so and so forth. You're going to have an infinite kaleidoscope of AI models. I guarantee that.
1: And, and here we come back to we want the biases. You know, people want the bias to match mm-hmm. their own biases. So, and and that goes for countries. Countries are going to want their, you know, AI models to match the biases of the country that those, those AI models are being used in. Right. You know, we can't even get the news. It's not like we have like news that agrees across the globe. When it's put, we don't even have that in the U S CNN versus Fox. (laughs) Exactly. Same story, different take on it. Totally different
0: takes on it, different different approaches, different core value systems. That's <laughs> that's just not it. I the, the best the best that you could possibly hope for is if AI is gonna give you some kind of an answer that has that is not cut and dry. It's not like what's four plus four, uh, eight. It's if it's if there's something that is politically charged, religiously charged, blah blah blah, the best that you can do is record. Require or or encourage companies to give well rounded answers, where it's like where if something is like say abortion, where there's there's like two different different sides, or uh, um, or 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 or, or, or the energy crisis, whatever. It should, it should they could, they can could maybe say all right if AI is going to comment on this, it needs to give at least one paragraph from each position, and then say at the end of it there's no there's no clean cut answer do your research here's some topics to go look at blah 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 blah, blah. but here's the thing
1: right of, and of course because the, the you know it just needs to say i can't answer that and right. here are the two the two main opposing viewpoints or here's the three main opposing viewpoints right. because that's the only really fair way to do it but there are people who are going to just like in schools right oh I, you know that's going to corrupt our youth. I don't want these answers to even be out there to yeah. be known. So we're going to have wars over the information.
3: Yeah, we have yeah.
1: it now. We've had it forever. I mean, just going back in history. I mean, there's book burnings and all sorts of things. I mean, tech, you know, technology is no different when it comes to um, controlling information. Humans want to do that, and it's going to be really, really tough.
0: Well, some hum- and some human beings are going to want their models too. Just give them their echo chamber information and not hear the opposing side. Um. But I, I mean, I don't know the, the, the humanitarian in me that wants to see something where I think, I think a little bit, a little bit of healthy steel man argumenting from the side that you don't agree with is, is, is good for people in general. And I'm sorry, but like, if, if you change your mind because the AI see to, to the extent of which people are really concerned in an article like that New York Times, which, which I'm going to go read, but if the concern is that the AI is like changing your political views, the only question that I ask is, well, did it do it deceptively? Did it make up shit that is simply not true and then it tricked you and then you realize that you were lied to? Right. Or did it just make a compelling case?
1: Or did it just give you facts from both sides yeah. and you went, oh dang, I didn't know I never saw it that way. I didn't know these, or just, I didn't know these facts. Right. Even if it didn't do a compelling case for you, maybe it just gave you more information than you've ever had. Than
0: you've ever heard on your in your echo chamber, and at that point, that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. That's how you get people more towards the middle and depolarize, is if you don't want to hear it because it's coming from uh, your family member that you don't get along with, or if you don't want to hear it because it's not coming from the right comedian who does news on the, on a TV show somewhere, if you're not getting it from the right person, but an AI can dispassionately just give you the arguments and give you the information and then you can change your heart. What's wrong
1: with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Well, again, that's kind of where we're, you know, there's a lot of good, a lot of good that can come from these AIs, but there's, there's a lot of evil to be had as well. So, I mean, you know, if, yeah, if it's just a bunch of laying out the facts and you have the most facts you've ever had and you make a decision based on them, that's not a bad thing.
0: It's not a bad thing. But if as long as it's not, not lying.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. As long as they're actual facts and yeah. you know, if you're getting a whole bunch of propaganda, well, and then you change your mind. Yeah. It's a freaking problem. Exactly. But that's a problem we, we face today. We watch do. the new, watch news,
0: watch any station. news station. You're not going to get the whole story. You're going to get you're going to get biased on things. You're going to get a pin- op-ed stuff yep. mixed in with everything because nobody can just tell the facts. Right. It, you you get that already. So right. so you're certainly not going to get any worse than that for sure. Uh, I just hope that AI, and, and I, f- certainly from my perspective, every time that we've had conver- uh, controversial conversations, you can see this, the, the log sessions. A- AI does a pretty good job of saying, you know, keep in mind that there's this other position on that point and that it's a controversial topic and so on and so forth. And I certainly appreciate a lot of that that information. It's 100% a decent way to go to give people more information than they were expecting and then let them let them suss it out
1: i think the biggest thing is people are going to have to remember going forward is no matter if we have these tasty nutrition cards and things like that going into the ai is people need to do their due diligence and they need to not just do it once but they occasionally need to go check and make sure the model is doing what it needs to do and that it's still giving accurate information and that it hasn't been fine-tuned since the first time you looked at it and it was oh yeah, it was solid then, but you know, in six months is it still solid? Yeah, oh, yeah, really yeah. good to do some keep that in mind.
0: I'll t- I'll tell you what one thing that, uh, that 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 I'm kind of nervous about is silent censoring or silent uh, uncensoring of things, right? One one thing that's kinda of weird to me is When you look at OpenAI and you go, uh, one thing I do in my logs is I always note like the version that I was dealing with at the time. Right. So that I can. So if anybody went back and looked at something and said, oh, wow, it said that I can't believe it said that you can go back in time and see what version that was a, a part of. Well, here's what's interesting. OpenAI doesn't tell you what their version is they 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 give there's the version is just a date release. Mm-hmm. So when you look at my versioning system it, all I can tell you is that it was like the Feb 03.
1: Right, but you don't know what it's been trained on. Right.
0: And I don't know I don't know if today it's version Feb 03.1 or Feb 03.75 because they've silently patched in additional adjustments. Right. And so wh- wh- here's where I get nervous, right? Is when you when you turn these AIs loose and they're starting to do sort of like psyop campaigns or subtly trying to influence people at the point of which the, regu- the regulatory indis- uh, agencies might get wind that there might be some, some shenanigans going on, the, a company that is also akin to the fact that now the jig is up, they can just silently go in, turn that bias off or patch in the unbiasing of the bias. And then when they go to investigate the matter later, they're going to be like, oh, no, I can't get it to do that. Oh, you, you you tell me that it was telling you this all this horrible thing about Biden. Well, I can't get it to do that. That's weird. How did yeah. you get it to
1: happen? There has to be some sort of logs that they keep that they would have to open up for review. Uh,
0: or, yeah. or the the versioning needs to be super super freaking clear. Right. You know what I mean? And like, and if there's some kind of a dynamic patching that you can do where you don't even change the version, but you can just dynamically retrain the model, that has to be super transparent because. Yeah. Oh, or there needs to be some kind of like a hash or a unique ID.
1: So you need to submit that to this committee because that's a that's a huge one that, yeah. that hasn't come up yet. I mean, maybe it will. Maybe we haven't watched the whole thing yet, yeah. but... That's terrifying.
0: Yeah, that that's that's what I'm super concerned with because they already do that, right? There's mm-hmm. there's so many there, there's news articles out there that say some horrible shit. It gets challenged. Everybody already forms their public opinions about it, and then two months later, it gets silently redacted, where it's just a little tiny blurb at the bottom. Just- or sometimes they don't even admit it. The the date, just the modified date on the page changes, and you're like, oh, what did that used to say? And you have to get lucky enough to go back to the Wayback Machine, <laughs> see what the original article said, and say, oh, look, they took out this magic verbiage.
1: You know. That's funny because I was actually thinking, I was like, we're going to need a way back AI <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> just to know what's going on and what it was, what it was trained on, when, and what it was yeah, spitting yeah. out. Yep. Um. Yeah.
0: Well, so far we're on it's par to zone. turn every one hour into two hours. So I guess it's not bad. We could do it over three or four sessions.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good idea. There's a lot to unpack here.
0: There is. There is. I think. I think. The, I think the panel at least. The, Two out of the three people on that panel are doing a really good job of exposing, like, some good thoughts. Some, I think OpenAI guy is understandably very much trying to buddy-buddy and play nice with everybody and right. stay Switzerland neutral. Well,
1: uh, there's, you know, there's, again, as we talked about before, there's the close the door behind you. Yeah, yeah, That seems, seems to be the goal right. here. Yeah, we'll partner and we'll come up with the laws to regulate everyone else. Just choose us. Don't yeah. choose Google yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, We'll pick this up and uh, move into the next uh, section of questioning. And, yeah, let us know what you think in the comments. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.
1: Peace.